As we've been going through this series, we've just taken time to unpack slowly but surely exactly who we are uh, in Christ. And the very first week uh, you were here, and by the way, if you have not been here, a couple things. One, you can grab all the study guides. If you've not been a part of this series, grab the study guides at the welcome table on your way out. We have a fresh one for this week as well. But then two, you can go and uh, on our website or YouTube or wherever uh, and grab our podcast and grab the messages because I think they'll be helpful for just setting this foundation. Because week one, we said, listen, God has delivered you and I into a brand new kingdom. We live in a completely different stratosphere than the rest of the world. And while we walk on the face of this earth, we are living under a completely different ruler and authority who brings and gives us life and has called us into a new identity and a new destiny in him because he ransomed us from a kingdom of darkness and brought us into a kingdom of light. That is because he is weak to a good, good father, right? He is a good father. He is so for us. He has given us the righteousness of his son. He has removed the stain and guilt from our lives because that's who he is. He is the righteous judge of the universe, and he is the merciful, loving king who gives us, who brings us into his family. And so he is a good father. So he's given us and brought us into a new kingdom. He is a good father, and he has established us all of these things through the cross, week three of Jesus Christ. From the cross, what Jesus did and his willing heart to go all the way for the joy set before him, enduring the shame, despising the enduring the scorn, despising the shame, went to the cross so that you and I could be with him co-heirs with the Son of God. We've been brought into a completely different place. I hear, and if you look at these truths, it should be calling us up into something so much greater so that when you and I get pulled down into the muck and the mire of all the other things that the world is worried about, you and I get to rise up with the king in a new kingdom because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross to create in us a brand new identity. What is that identity? You and I are sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's who you are now. And that is how you and I are meant to live. Our world is wrestling with this this, uh, idea of identity. I think it's actually really interesting right now that there is so much uh, broken And there's so much dialogue and so much broken understanding of identity right now in our world because God is saying you have yet to understand what it means to be identified as a son or daughter of God calling us up into it. I want you to look at Galatians chapter four. I'm going to be really brief here because I want to get to the crux of uh, this morning, Galatians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, or sonship or inheritance. So it's not dis- discluding uh, daughters. It's just saying sonship. That's how uh, 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 inheritance came down. And because you are sons, because you're daughters, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Hear that. 
God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This is that affectionate term for dads. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then you are an heir through God. Verse 8, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those by that that, uh, by nature are, are not, that by nature not, are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn your back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to, uh, you want to be once more? So here's the question. Here's what he's saying. This is, and I think this is so interesting. Every time there's this declaration uh, in the New Testament of this adoption that you and I have received, this call now to be sons and daughters of the Most High God, there's this pull into, back into slavery. There's this thing in us that wants to draw us back, and there's this whisper of the enemy trying to destroy this brand new identity that you and I have been called into that changes the whole nature of how we live, of how we do life, of how we do marriage, of how we do children, how we do uh, work, every place, every arena that we go We're living in a new kingdom. We're called his own and meant to function out of that new identity. And yet there's this pull back in to slavery. And if you will, the Lord in the scripture is saying, don't go back there. Don't let your heart get pulled back to a place of slavery. Romans chapter 8, he says, this is, you know, so he's writing this to the Galatian church. Here's what he says to the Roman church. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. There it is again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Meaning, you're going to walk the face of this earth that is not ordered right, that has been disordered by sin. You, are gonna, you and I will experience the weight and the pain of living in a broken world that suffering, if you will. But as we navigate through that, we are not torn down by you and I have been made sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ. So don't allow your heart and your mind, your soul and your body to be pulled back into slavery. Live as sons and daughters. Live that way. Think that way. Function that way operate that way, believe that way. That is the call. You hear it loud and clear. Paul's saying it over and over and over and over again. This is now who you are. That changes everything. That changes everything. 
And men get to rise up and become what they were meant to be in their homes and in their workplaces. And women get to rise up and get to be what they were called to be in the home and in the workplace. And children get to rise up with a brand new inheritance, a new identity, right? And friends get to be brought into this incredible family. And coworkers, all of a sudden, the one who was your enemy at work is now the one you're gunning for to figure out. He's a, he is a, 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 what am I, a target, sorry, I couldn't think of the word, a target. So I think of like shooting, but target, right? We, we, think of, we think of the enemies in the sense that we look at people all around and God's saying, no, 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 no. I, I want that person in my family. We have to see the world differently now. So what I want to do is go, okay, that sounds amazing. It sounds powerful. It sounds beautiful. But how on earth do we live and walk that out on an everyday basis? And I can think of no one better to talk to about living this out on an everyday basis than my wife, Megan Robertson. You guys help me bring her up here. Come on. Let's do this. <laughs> so what we want to do, uh, we like to, we like to, probably dead. Have you, oh, not turned it on? Is that possibly just killed that? Yeah, let's just destroy that. That's good. That's the, that's the microphone of slavery and not sonship. So, it's good. So, uh, as she's um, killing that, just push, yeah, push that uh, red until it goes off. Oh, yeah, you can grab that one or we can share. You want to share? You want to grab that one? Can, you, can it reach? If not, we can, I can share. I'm willing to share. All right. Uh, let me tell you why. So uh, we get to do this every once in a while um, because uh, beautiful theology has deep practical application to our lives. And so I asked Megan to do this one, not because she's my wife, although I'm so glad that you are. Um, but she's not up here because she's my wife. She's up here because I know few people in all of my life who live out and walk out what it means to be a, a, a daughter of God, a child of God. She just walks that way. She has been, I've, I've watched her in our 18 years pursue freedom in Christ, like fully, been challenged by it. Our children have grown up in it. And so I'm going, uh, this girl knows some things. So we're going to ask you some questions and, um, and, I want you just to be able to share all the things that come to your heart and what, and what it means to be a son or daughter of Most High God. Amen? All right. Okay. Could you just do this for us? Could you just talk about what it actually means in practical ways to operate from your identity as a daughter or from your identity of, in sonship, from that place, rather than like working living for God. I, I think that's, there's a lot of, especially I think in religious context, uh, I'm going to live for God, but actually we're called to live from our identity as sons. Can you just describe that or talk about that? Well, I love that question. And I was thinking as we were worshiping um, about how I could have just sat with 
you're perfect in all of your ways for like way longer. Because I remember, um, I just remember, I'm not a physical orphan. I grew up with a mom and a dad, but I, um, that, that orphan mentality was so heavy on me and in my heart. Like I just lived from a place of, I don't belong like everyone else has these like warm, glowy houses that are beautiful. And I'm like on the outside with my fingers pressed against the glass, like looking in. Like that was kind of my, I felt that way. I really did. And that was like when I was a little girl. And then like circumstances that I agree with the lies attached to tended to um, perpetuate that lie all the time. And, um, and then when I started to understand the character of God and what kind of good, good father he is and how he is legitimately perfect in all of his ways. And I began to like understand who he is and I began to have a revelation of like, oh my goodness, like the God who loves me and wants me in his family, everything that comes with that belongs to me. Once I started to understand that, it was less try to belong, try to earn, try to perform, shift your behavior, um, you know, craft yourself into who everybody else says you should be. And, um, you know, even even who you think God says you should be. I can't see Don and Kate over here. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, just a rest started to settle in. And that happened over lots of years for me. Um, it wasn't like an instantaneous thing. However, I will say that this could make me cry, but the father who's perfect in all of his ways, um, before I had language for how he speaks to his sons and daughters, I would feel like that orphan looking in, but I would have these reoccurring visions of walking on the arm of a king. I would literally see that in my mind all the time. I was creative. I, I've uh, wired creatively. And I think um, the Lord just speaks to me that way, um, knowing that he wired me that way. But I would I would have this reoccurring vision of walking on his arm. And I was like decked in this um, gown that was like sparkling with diamonds. And there's a long train and like, he would just be proud to walk with me. And like, she's on my arm, you know? And I would look and go, whoa, like I feel important. And at that time, like he needed me to know like that. And, and it's not about me. I'm not saying, oh, it's about us. It's about the king, but I was on the king's arm. And so he began to like, he's so perfect in all of his ways. Like he, he began to break into that orphan mentality and speak something new, even before I knew to like open the word and go, okay, 2 Corinthians 16 says, you know, but it does. 2 Corinthians 16, 6, 18 says, I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And then, um, so I was just thinking about how with identity, um, the first thing we need to look at is who he is because we are made in his image. And then out of that, we get to be able to get a real picture about who we are. And that's not, um, what we do is not who we are. Like God isn't, um, he's not looking for behavior modification from his sons and daughters. He's looking for um, a heart that knows him and is is at rest knowing who he is and who we are with him. And so um, I think that's what started to shift for me is is I began to be able to rest into that. And instead of always fear and worry that I wasn't belonging, um, so much of identity is about belonging. And I was sitting with, um, last week, I had an opportunity to sit down with a precious lady named Amanda, and she founded this um, organization called um, Hope's Bridge. 
And she was telling me this story about how when she adopted her daughter, um, her daughter had her new last name. She belonged in the family like it was a done deal, but she had no bond. And I hope it's okay if I share this story. Amanda, if you're listening, I think it's okay. Um, but um, she, she wanted this bond with her daughter. She wanted like for her daughter to know the inheritance and the rights that she had now that she belonged, but there wasn't this emotional connection yet between her and her daughter. And, um, and so I think about that too. It's like the Lord, it's, not, it's, it's less about what we do, which we tend to, to talk about a lot in American culture. Like we talk about, you know, hi, who are you? What do you do? You know, um, and identity can, can easily get minimalized in something that we do instead of who we are. So yeah. And then I know I'm talking a long time. You can interject here. You just keep on going, girl. <laughs> I was just going to say how part of knowing that I'm a daughter or that if you're a, a man, then you're a son, is that knowing who the father is, is knowing that he really does want a deep connection. Like it's, he didn't say um, the spirit of God um, comes over us and we cry out, you know, employer or uh, <laughs> slave master. Like we, it's father. And, and the word father, I know is like, it's so, it can be so tender because um, our first pictures of the father on earth can be broken often. Um, but the father that we belong to and that we are identified by wants to have a deep, close, personal connection with us. And that means that he's in our ear. He's speaking to us um, through his word, through his people and by his spirit, like in real time. And so, um, yeah, there's just so much that like, you know, the orphan mentality, which we've been talking a lot about in the last couple of weeks, like kingdom of darkness, we were once... Um, citizens of. And then when we have, if you have said yes and said, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior, you're like literally like new last name in a new kingdom now. And that means everything that's in that kingdom is like instantly available. And oftentimes we just don't have our eyes open going in this new family. Like everything that is available to me is completely otherworldly. Like it's not what I've known. And um, so, yeah, I'll talk more about his voice, but like that's a huge part of identity to me. Well, and I, I think that what is jumping off the page, so to speak, as you talk about that is um, that I think oftentimes the, the idea is when we come into this new kingdom, come into this relationship, that then we've got to start to change all of, you talk about behavior modification. Yeah. And there is alignment with the principles, the heart of God, but the alignment with the principles, the heart of God, the places to obey him in our lives has to come out of a deep-seated belief in who he is and who we are in him. That's right, because it doesn't rest. Resting in our identity doesn't mean neglect, apathy, laziness. That's right. Like, it doesn't mean any of that. It means that we're making a trade for like the old anxiety of do I fit, do I belong, do I have anything available uh, to like, oh, I'm in the family. Like, okay, now look at everything that I have available. Yeah. And now I'm gonna start to partner with God, partner with my father. We're gonna work on it together and step into it with him. So it's not right. passive. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and, and the other piece that I think is important is, because and you said this and I think it's so important, the orphan mentality operating as an orphan. And when you get the study guide, grab the study guide because it helps break down some of the perspectives of what it means to operate as an orphan versus operating as a son or daughter. But there's an orphan mentality. That you Listen, you can, have, you can be, grow up in an awesome, yeah. great, amazing, godly family mm -hmm. and operate 
out of an orphan mentality. It has nothing to do with necessarily or explicitly your family of origin. And I want to add on to that too. Yeah. Like I can still tend, that's why sure. Galatians says don't return. Return, that's because right. Because I can still tend to operate from the mentality of an orphan, even though I'm a part of your family, you yeah. know, like I belong to you and I can operate like an orphan in our marriage or with sure. as a mom, as a as a, a friend. And so it's it's an active like, and that's it goes back to again his voice like available that's right. um, by his spirit like our helper, our teacher, our advocate, our counselor, like all the things that that the, the scripture says the Holy Spirit is like available to us in real time, like helping us step in on a regular basis into um, ident- true identity. That's good. So tell me, what do you f- see as some of the real life barriers that keep us from living out of our new identity? Yeah. Like what are the real time barriers? Well, for me, and I think it's common to all of us, is shame and fear and unbelief. It's like those are the main ones um, that I, you know, it's like we can be going through something so difficult um, and you can be going through that with the lens of, um, I belong, I'm going to be taken care of, I'm going to be covered. And you can be going through some, the same circumstance so difficult and feel completely shut out, completely alone, and like you have nothing. And so it's not really circumstances that define. Okay, I think that's <laughs> super important. Yeah. You can be literally going through the exact same circumstance. Yeah. And the difference is, I believe I am covered, yeah. and he is with me in this moment, mm-hmm. and I'm cared for, versus I'm alone, I have nothing, mm-hmm. and you know the world's against me, or you know, yeah. Everything's against me. So same circumstance, but what's going on is actually what's what changes the nature of that is not the circumstance, but what what's here. That's right. Yeah. And and just like I talked about earlier, like we're made in his image. I was thinking about this this morning. You know, Jesus, like his identity, like who he is to the Father and who he is to us, like as Lord, King, Savior. He wasn't. He's not our Savior because he died on the cross. Like there was lots of people who died on the cross. What makes him our savior is that he, his identity, like who he was dying on the cross is what makes him the savior. And so just like for us, like we, you know, going through something difficult or even going through something amazing, like we can even do that with identity. We can go like, oh, look at all these things I have and look at the status I have. And it's like, that's not identity either. And so, um, yeah, it's just a call to his heart. It's, it's a call to the father's heart going, you belong with me. And apart from anything that happens to you, apart from anything that you do, anything that you don't do, you're mine and I'm yours and we belong together. It's really about belonging. Identity is about belonging. That's good. You need to write that down. (laughs) Uh, Or write that down in your soul. Uh, Because what you're saying is, it really is, do you actually believe, whether you're on the mountaintop or you're in the valley, do you believe that you belong? Yeah. Do you actually believe that? Is the word of God actually flowing in you and through you in such a way where you believe it so that you've got life and you've got rest and power no matter what the circumstances? And not only do I belong, but do I have help? Like, is God for me? Right. Is he with me right now? Um, And, you know. To which, again, I feel like uh, with your mind, go, oh, of course God's for me. But I think what we're talking about is a believing that is rooted in a whole and a completely different way. And that's why the answer to my question was shame, fear, and unbelief. It's just like the garden. It's like, we just want to run and hide. That's it. But it's like the shift takes place when we start to figure out like our father is just 
He's so kind. He's so present. And when we are in a moment of weakness or failure or hurt, we don't run from Him. We run to Him. And that unbelief that says, I don't have anything, like I'm alone and no one knows is is such a lie. Like, it's such a lie. And it just, it, it can cut the legs out from under us when we're going through anything, good or bad. Um, because to experience the fullness of our identity, <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday. I was, um, I had so many, I had a lot of extra things. I, I try to be really careful and like draw healthy boundaries like around my schedule. But like, this is just one of those weeks where it's just like, man, like, the things just piled up so much. And it wasn't anything bad. It was just a long to-do list. And there were things I wanted to do and things I had to do. And I just found myself in the car yesterday, like literally like anxietyville. Like it just was like my shoulder tense. And I was just like, oh, you know, I got to get this done. And really like the things that I had to get done, they were good things and they were beautiful things. And there was an invitation there to like enjoy and and like, literally be in his presence like while I ran my errands. And because I've practiced figuring out like what the standard of resting is with him, um, I don't do this, I'm not claiming to do this perfectly, but yesterday I was just, I felt like the dichotomy of, you know, like I'm so stressed out and um, I've just got to behave. I've got to like check the, you know, get my bullet points, like check, check, check. I've got to do all that. And um, I felt ang- like angry that I had so much to do. And so because I know my father's with me, even in the most mundane things that I do, I can either like go through the day like super tense and like, you know, just bear it and then like wake up with a crick in my neck the next day. Or I can go, okay, God, you're with me. You call me to this, right? Like there's, there's things. And, and then I hear his voice in my ear going like, there's a, there's a couple things you can drop. There's a couple things you can take off the plate. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay, what are those, Lord? Like, order my day. And then there's also, (laughs) um, you know, there's an invitation here. Like, I haven't asked you to do any of this stuff that you're doing so that you can, like, be a good Christian mom and a, you know, nice girl. Like, I'm doing this because there's things that I've called you to so that you can see my glory in it and that other people can see um, my glory in you. And it's like, oh, yeah. Like, just that whole identity of I'm not alone. I'm not, like, just... Yeah, checking off task. And that I, I use that example because that's usually what it is. Like sometimes we're in the middle of a crisis mode, but like normally we're kind of just going through day by day. And yeah, and so I didn't mean to go off on all that yet. I was gonna do that later, but there it was. Well, I think it's important because, um, and, and I do I do wanna just get into uh, some practicals here in a minute. Yeah. But um, w- what were some of the things that you have experienced over the years um, that, uh, you chose to do that helped you to stop living kind of that orphan mentality. If you were here a couple weeks ago, um, the chair two versus chair one idea for you guys that were here, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Moving out of chair two into chair one. And if you didn't get that message uh, on the father's heart, then um, go back and, and watch it. And chair two is basically like, I'm right. stuck. I don't yeah. have anything. And chair one is like living for my That's identity. right. So yeah. uh, chair, we are all... If, if you will, we were all sitting in the third chair outside of the family. Not saved, not, in, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. then in Christ, we've been made this brand new identity, which is chair one, but what we often tend to do is sit in chair two, which is you're not outside the family, but you're not living freely yeah. out of the fullness of what you've been made to be. Mm-hmm. 
And what a robbery. Yeah. I don't know if you even feel that. Like as I'm describing that, what a robbery for every one of us that have called. And you may not, you may be here and you may not have called on the name of Jesus yet, but if you've called on the name of Jesus and are not living from chair one, what a robbery. And that's why I believe that the scripture is imploring us to say, hey, you don't have to live this way. And we all tend to sit in chair two from time to time. Yeah, it's common to all of us. And it's not just in, if you will, the, the, like the uh, crisis moments, but it's those day-to-day, mm-hmm. I have a laundry list of things to do. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling tense, anxious, stressed, mm-hmm. and now angry about everything. Yeah. And um, what do I do yeah. with that? So, and, and I, I didn't mean to go back into that, but just because I was asking, what are some of the things that you have done like over mm-hmm. the years that either things that you have experienced or things that you have chosen to do that have helped you move out of that orphan mentality into sonship yeah. or daughtership? And I just want to clarify right quick that the orphan mentality, like that is a biblical term. So like if that, using that feels weird, I'm not talking about like, I think I already said that. I'm not talking about like a, a, a literal orphan. Like I'm talking about who we are now is adopted into the kingdom. And so we go from orphans who have no father to like heirs and uh, heiresses, truly. Um, but yeah, I, um, um, there's, so Second Corinthians 6, 18, I quoted earlier. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. If you skip down a couple verses to Second Corinthians 7, it says, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every defile, but defilement of the body, spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And so that's like a charge and a call into like something beyond simply I'm saved. I'm like, I wasn't in the family and now I am in the family. And so it's, it's a call to the deeper things. And um, that's, I'm, some, I'm, I'm very passionate about that. And I wanna say like, that's not a one and done for any of us. Like I went through some intense um, like freedom counseling. I chose to step into that because there were um, what I just kind of think of as like some gaping surgery wounds that needed stitches. Like you can't put a bandaid on that stuff. You know, you have to like go in and dig deep with stuff and you have to let the Lord uproot some of these core lies that our flesh wants to agree with in really hard circumstances we want to just partner with what the enemy is like right there to offer us, stands to accuse us day and night, Revelation says. So like he, it's like all of that, he, there's just this pull to like wallow and like sit and then not step into the fullness and the vibrancy of the life that the Lord wants for us, like for every single one of us, no matter what circumstances look like. Um, and so I needed to do that. I, um, and I'm so thankful. I, I, what I did was I was honest before the Lord about my, condition. So I think um, humility before the Lord is so important. I actually grew up with um, sort of this um, cultural mentality that I either took on or was taught to. I don't know. I, I definitely was living out of it, that I needed to look perfect, act perfect, perform perfectly, behave perfectly. Like I needed to be whatever vision of what perfect was in my mind. Like if I didn't strive or perform perform or earn to get there, then I was essentially like the way I felt, worthless. And um, and I, I really believe the enemy was right there to propagate that and go, yeah, you're just basically garbage. Like, that's what you are. And so for me, the revelation of my identity as an heiress and as someone who walked on the arm of the king, like that was all like, what? Like, oh my gosh, you know, like that's the best news 
ever, for lack of better terms. It's just like I can't overstate it enough. And my identity was, you know, forgotten. Um, and again, these are things that I heard in my mind and I believed and lived out of. Um, I'm not blaming anyone else for that. I'm saying that that's what I took on in my flesh, on my own strength. I said, here's who I am. And my attempt at defining who I was by all the things that I couldn't or couldn't do was drastically missing the mark. And I just lived with constant anxiety. I lived with this imposter syndrome. I literally would walk in rooms and feel like I didn't belong in any room. Like that's, I would walk in and go, everyone else here like has some gift or something to offer. And I'm just like, oh, I'm inferior to everyone around me. I mean, just so like, so much the orphan mentality. I did, I just lived and breathed it. And so. I just, I, I, I venture to say every one of us, I don't know if you just think on. It's relatable. It's relatable, yeah. That experience, which yeah. is amazing by the way, that if every one of us are walking into the room thinking I have nothing to offer, then you know that the voice of the enemy is hard at keeping us from stepping into and that's the, the crazy thing is because the enemy knows our identity sometimes better than we do. You know, it's like, we, he knows who we are. God knows who we are. He knows who we are. It's often us that need to catch up, you know, to who we are. And so, um, yeah, so I was, I was living out of that place. And, um, and so there was a call to step into, like I, I was, um, we were on staff at a church in Abilene, and it, uh, Abilene, Texas, and I'm so thankful that God who's perfect in all of his ways knew exactly where I needed to be to like grow up and learn um, some of the deeper things. And I had a chance to just unpack. I was really honest with my spiritual family. I didn't try to like, I went from trying to hide and gloss over everything and, and hide every weakness to, okay, if this is ever going to change, I see people, I see people living in fullness. Like, what is that? You know, like, how can they just laugh or how can they just encourage? How can they speak life over people? Like how do they, what, what is, what are they carrying that I'm not? Cause all I'm trying to do is walk around and survive. <laughs> and there's just so much more than that. And so I began to ask questions. I was like, you know, how did you learn how to look at someone in the eye and tell them who you see that they like the gold in them? Like, did you grow up with that? And then they'd either be like, yeah, or they'd be like, no, but like, here's what the Lord does with me. He sits with me. He tells me who I am. First, he gives me a revelation of who he is. Then he tells me who I am in him. That's available to you, Megan. It's like, oh, it is? Like, that's that simple? It's like, yeah. But in order to hear him speak to me, there were like these literal like walls. And those walls were just, you could name so many things, bitterness, unforgiveness, judgment, um, fear, anxiety, like pressure, like all this stuff, just like, and what I would try to do is let that be my protection. And I would sometimes peek around from my, around the wall and like, you know, act like, hey, I'm still here. But most of the time it was like, I'm behind these walls. It, and I was idolizing my own ability to identify myself. That was like my idol, like my identity, this picture I want the world to see of me is like my idol and it's my protection instead of God you are my stronghold you are my protection you're my covering I can come out in the clearing with you like it's safe out here because you cover me and I don't ha I can be vulnerable like I don't have to hide everything anymore the the word that you use is honesty that it's the beginning of the pathway toward walking in our true identity is being able to be honest and real first with the Lord and then with trusted each other mm -hmm. to be able to say, hey, I don't have it all figured out. I, and I, 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 feel, I, I, I feel sad or I feel grieved in many ways because sometimes it feels like the church is the least 
safe place in order to be real and honest about who we are and, and where we're at. And more than anything, to be able to be honest about our need for help. And I feel like I'm just waking up to even the last, like, last couple of years, like really honest, if you will, even brutally honest with the Lord and with each other. And that is the beginning place of seeing God do this transformation. Yeah. And I, I, I think that even as I say that, it feels like that's really vulnerable. Can we actually do that? But I actually think this is what we're, this is what this is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. A chance for that kind of honesty and vulnerability. Like I'm falling short and I don't know what to do. And I feel like an orphan and I didn't have this growing up and I didn't have that. And I don't know what, and, and just getting it out there. And I don't think that God's really for me. And just saying all of the things so that the lies are exposed so that the brokenness is exposed and so that God can come in and do, not slap a Band-Aid on it like we try to do, come and do the surgery that's necessary for us to be transformed. And then all of a sudden, we're having conversations with him on the way to Target on a Tuesday. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, this is no longer like a thing that we show up to on Sunday, but a vibrant relationship we're functioning in each and every day moment. So... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I just, it was like, as you're saying, I was like, so good. That, but you said it a couple of times, that honesty and vulnerability. And you had some people that were encouraging you to do that and allowing you the safe place to do it. God help the church be the safe place to do that with each other. Yeah, There's nobody in here that has this figured out. There's not one perfect marriage, not one perfect parenting. There's, we're not doing, we need Jesus. We need Jesus and we need each other. Sorry, I'm done. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. sorry. I, uh, I, you've spoken a little bit to the practical. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. Yeah, amen. Um, you've spoken a little bit about practical um, things that you've done to, to put to death performance, yeah. performing for, or, or that orphan mentality, and what are practical. Is it already 1015? Dad gum. Oh man. We do this every time. All right, hang on. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just tell second service pile in yeah, here. Everybody just join it's in. It's gonna get warm. Um, <laughs> anything you else you would want to say before we go? We really wanted a chance. I, hey, so I, I, just oh, let me just say this real quick. Okay, Sorry. Hold on. Hold Sorry. On. I have an idea too before I forget it. Okay. Because I'm a little more it. ADD okay, than you. It. Okay. So like I I think if we were going to spend some time at the end, like just li- like encountering yeah. the Lord soaking and, yes. and we, we talk too much or something. Sorry. So um, if you want to stay for the second service and like worship in here and do that, like don't miss that. Yeah. Connect with the heart. Say. Okay. That's yeah. a good idea. Good thought. Um, good thought. Um, here's, what the, here's what what's happening over the next few weeks. We're going to talk in real practical ways about hearing the voice of God next week. You need to be here. And Megan's going to share on that as well. Hearing the voice of God becomes preeminent. Then we're going to talk about living in forgiveness, not bitterness, not living in judgment. How do you live where you're like hearts free to see all the people? These are all the things that we're going to be doing in the weeks coming. So everything we just talked about, we're going to, this isn't the only time. So I, I'm just saying that just like, here's where we're headed. So don't worry about that. 
because we're going to get there. Um, we do need to finish our time. Uh, I do want to have Megan just pray over us, the revelation of our identity, and cover us. Just, and we're going to take a couple minutes. And if you guys will just be nice to each other in the parking lot, that'll be, we'll call that good. So y'all stay, if you will stand. And I just, I, I feel like May, I just want Megan to impart or just pray an impartation of that over us uh, before we leave. And then we've got some weeks together to continue to work through this. Father, I'm so thankful for who you are and, and how you rescued me. Thank you, God. Thank you for seeing me. You're the God who sees. Um, you know every hair on my head, and that, that means day by day you're with me. And that's the, that's the truth for every single person in here. And so for the ones, Lord, who feel like I used to where they've got their um, face pressed against the glass looking in and longing. Father, would you just show them where the door is? Just invite them into your family. God, if, if there's someone who does not walk with you yet, Holy Spirit, come give a revelation of who you are and who the Father is, who the Savior is, and invite them in, Lord. Invite them in. You want every child in, in your house with you. And um, so, Spirit of God, come and do what only you can do and save, bring salvation. And um, for those of us who are already in your family, but who are not operating like someone who knows what the family culture is, God, I pray that there would be um, an impartation now, a deeper impartation of that by your spirit, that you would whisper truth, Lord. Um, I just wanna, because of the authority that we have, because of the cross appropriated to us, rebuke the voice of the enemy now that would lie and say something inferior to the truth, which is that we are yours, we are chosen. We are meant to be carriers and bringers of light into a dark world that we are your saints, we are your temple, we're a new creation, we're members of your family. God, those are all the things that we are. And with that comes all the things in your kingdom available to us. There's nothing that we lack anymore. There's nothing that we lack anymore. And so um, for anyone who is suffering, feeling lack, Holy Spirit, come and minister to that person now. Incline their ear towards you, Lord. And we do. We take a, a, an active step and incline our ears towards you, God, believing who you are. And we confess that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and we repent of our unbelief, Lord. I repent of my unbelief. Even just yesterday, needed to come back in alignment with who I am in you. And you're right there with arms wide open saying, come on home, babe. Let's go. Let's, let's have some joy in this day. Let's live life together. Let's, let's don't act like we're not together in this. So thank you, Lord. That's what's available to every single son and daughter. And I pray as we go out from here today that your voice would be over us, your presence with us. God, we know it is, but would you tune us in? Um, just like dial our radio to the right frequency to know, to know and to walk deeply, drink deeply, enjoy deeply, laugh, Lord, um, as we know who you are and know that we belong. 
So I do pray a, a true sense of belonging would rest on, on all of us, that we wouldn't leave here today without knowing that in a deeper way. And it's in your name, Jesus, that we pray and honor. Amen.